You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 87 with Joe Fox from Lighthouse 8 here in Brisbane. Joe, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, James. It's a pleasure to be on. Now, this is, uh, I feel like, going to be really cool um, story that you have to share because um, from what I understand, you ran a agency locally here in Brisbane, correct? Yep, that's correct. And grew it up to 12 staff. And given that they were all onshore staff, um, to anyone outside of Australia, um, like our minimum wages and wages, like what people get paid here is pretty friggin' crazy. So like when I hear 12 onshore staff, that must have been a pretty uh, revenue generating machine agency that you had. <laughs> Was it, was it like two million? Is that what you said? Yeah, I think I think it might have even been just more than two actually. Um, uh, when I sold it, so um, yeah, we we managed to scale it up quite successfully. When I say uh, me, I mean myself and my ex business partner, mm-hmm. uh, who actually bought um my shareholdings and everything off me. Ah, uh, okay. Because when I when you said uh, you sold it, I was like, wow, that's like the dream for many agency <laughs> owners, right? And it is quite hard to create a saleable agency. Um, so that's like a, a pretty easy out, I feel, for you. Was it? Was yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And I think it was um, my side of things. I, I really felt I did the right thing um, in that relationship. We've been, you know, business partners, but also friends for such a long time. And I felt that I really wanted to make sure that everything was in a great position when I left. And I also wanted to make sure that I did the right thing from a financial transaction perspective mm-hmm. with him to make sure that he didn't have to go into, you know, crazy debt to be able to pay me out and that sort of thing. Jeez, so, mate, you sound like an ideal business partner. I feel like, uh, you know, when I hear of like agencies splitting or whatever like that, it's not normally such an amicable end. So good on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, and I think because I'd heard so many, uh, of those horror stories over yeah. the years, I really didn't want to lose a friendship. I already felt like I was losing my baby in a way. So I um, mm. didn't want to lose that strong friendship. Yeah, that's good on you, man. That's a really good way to go out. So look, and and I think the best way that like why I'm so excited about this chat today is because I think it's going to be very helpful for agencies just to hear about how you did that, right? Like how did you get an agency, uh, you know, to a profitable level with 12 onshore staff in Australia? You know, like that, that's a pretty big feat. <laughs> so I'd just love to hear, you know, like how did you grow this thing? And and later on, obviously now you work um, with um, Lighthouse 8, which is like a, an AI agency, which is super exciting. We'll get into that um, down the track. But let, let's talk about um, your first agency, Studio Culture. Yeah, for sure. So essentially, um, Studio Culture, I, I met my business partner at the time, Phil Cristaldi, um, an amazing, um, he's, he's one of these gentlemen that's able to be a businessman. He's someone that's able to be a designer and he's also a front and back end dev. So he's a very skilled guy. And um, Bloody hell, that's yeah. like unheard of. <laughs> yeah. So essentially I, I was doing um, freelancing uh, initially, like just um, looking more specifically around the social media consulting side of things. And this is, you know, seven and a half years ago before <laughs> social media was the beast that it is now. Mm. Um 
and I was also doing quite a lot of AdWords and those sorts of things. And Google, um, I, I believe they still, well, I know for a fact they still do have these events, but these Google meetups where um, if you're an agency or a freelancer, you can, you can <laughs> go along to to these events that they throw and there's free food and it's great networking and they use usually- Yeah. Yeah, I think I went to a couple of those back in the day and ended up, you know, coming home with all the, the Google paraphernalia, like the bloody- All the uh, notepads. And yeah, things. yeah. You got to make sure you take that into meetings with clients. So it makes yes. sure you look like a big, you know- This guy knows what he's talking about. He's right? Stuff, 100%. <laughs> but um, yeah, so essentially um, we met at, at one of these Google conventions and um, it, it kind of worked out well because he was doing a lot of websites and those sorts of things, obviously- you know, when you're looking at any form of digital marketing, you do need a, a solid platform there if, mm. if for a business and, and website seems to be that starting place. So essentially, we, we just started referring each other work and um, we were hanging out a lot and, and we'd sort of, you know, often be working um, at his place or at his parents' place, actually, at the time. <laughs> classic, classic startup story. <laughs> the classic startup story. And um, essentially... We sort of just said, "Look, I think there's, I think there's a business in this." And um, he already had the brand Studio Culture, so he'd done all the design and everything for that. Um, he had, I guess, sort of like a a website set sitting on a, a dev server, pretty well ready to go. We just needed to finish the copywriting, and we we sort of just said, "Let's let's give it a whirl, let's give it a go." And yeah, so how did you get your first few clients? Well. I feel like that's one skill that I definitely do possess that would allow us to to grow the business in mm. in the capacity that we did and in the time frame that. And we what did. skill, sorry, do you mean by that? Uh, sales, sales yeah, right. and business development. So I, I found it quite. Um, it was more a matter of explaining to the clients that I was already doing the freelance work for that we were now able to give them a much bigger, better offering. And yeah, right. essentially, we kind of, I guess, looked to our immediate networks first really um, got things underway quite quickly. I think in our first month, we did something like 40,000 worth of sales. That's unreal and such an undervalued. Sorry? It was pretty crazy. Like I I didn't expect to do that well. Well, Uh, the thing there is it's such an undervalued channel, right? And a lot of sales uh, and marketing people talk about using your existing network, right? And people often don't use that. Like if, if you know someone, you've gotten a relationship with someone already, it's so much easier to sell them more things, you know, like that they already know you, they trust you. Um, so if you have more services or something else you can do for them, it, sometimes it's just a matter of reaching out and saying that uh, that's what, you know, you can do this extra stuff. Yeah. So it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah, definitely. So, so just leverage that, I guess, initially. And then it was kind of I've always been a big believer and and you touched on it then in terms of like, if you are doing great work for someone, nine times out of 10, they know someone else that you want to be meeting with. Yes. Um, (laughs) I think it's really, it's a, it's really undervalued. um, I guess sales tool is, is asking people, Hey, do you know someone else who would be interested in this? And there's ways to incentivize that James, like turning around and saying, Hey, um, we can offer you a discount for an introduction and people are more likely to do it if it's incentivized, but also too, if you've delivered great work for them. Yeah, so I absolutely. Think, I think that was the the benefit of, of the way that we did it was that we were always delivering great work and we were very much about, um, I guess, almost being friends with those initial clients and, and 
being friends with them allowed us to tap into their network. So it grew quite quickly. We put on a uh, we put on an, another staff member relatively quickly, um, full time. I think that was in our oh that would have been in our first three months. Nice. So we, we absorbed all the uh, all the amazing things you learn in business, as you mentioned about you know your payroll tax and and superannuation and all of these. Um, that's 401k overheads. for the American listeners. Superannuation, <laughs> that's what we call it. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and it's it's quite a sizable, it's nearly 10% of, of a, um, yeah. Of a yeah. staff the salary. So, so just yeah. quickly though, before we move on, like I, I just want to sort of emphasize, emphasize the, the power of what you've done there. Just like literally asking people um, if they know anyone who needs the work that you do, right? If, so if you've impressed uh, someone before, it's very easy for them to refer, especially if there is some kind of incentive. And I love the fact that it was a discount, um, you know, because then it's like it's a discount off future services, right? So it, it's going to encourage them to come back to you as well. Um, but just the fact that you have made people aware or reminded them that this is what you do, right? So I've always found a lot of, in business, a lot of people just forget stuff, right? We get busy, right? And if we, if you hear someone say they need a website and, you know, you might just like as a gen, as a normal business owner and you hear someone talking about their website, you're not going to go, oh, I know this per like recommend this website developer for them to go and talk to because it's just not top of mind. But yeah. now you've gone and become top of mind in all your clients, which sort of reminded them that this is what you do and um, you're looking, you've got some availability or something. So if in the next couple of weeks they hear someone, they're at a networking event, they hear someone talk about their website, talk about something, they're in a position then to go, hey, actually, I know someone that can help you. 100%. I think it's like it's that building your brand advocacy from day, day dot and, mm. and it really is so powerful and um yeah no i i appreciate you for 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 recognizing that because i think at the time it just felt like it was what had to be done mm. but i guess looking back at it, it it was the the catalyst that allowed us to grow quite quickly yeah that's awesome so just quickly too i'd like to rewind a little bit and talk about like because we kind of started this with you have a network and there are a lot of people listening to this that might not yet have a big network. So how did you actually build that in the beginning uh, you know, as a freelancer as well as your business partner? Yeah. So um, I think the, the biggest key to uh, building a network is one, getting outside of your comfort zone. I think it's really important to be comfortable with the fact that you're not going to be comfortable. Um, <laughs> no one likes going to, to, you know, business events or, going to different places and, and talk. I, I would consider myself somewhat of an extrovert, but even I don't necessarily feel comfortable, you know, going into a room and, and mm -hmm. still to this day, um, you know, having to spruik yourself or have those conversations around. Yeah, it's, it's anxiety inducing in a lot of ways. 100%. I still get a bit shaky doing it. But yeah, in saying that now, I think it, it flows a lot easier than it used to. But I think it's just being genuine. Like I think a lot of people are too quick to think, what can I get out of this? As opposed to really mm. hearing and, and um, I guess being able to relate and understand what um, other business owners are, are going through. And I think if you take the time to hear that, if you take the time to really understand what it is that they're trying to express or communicate, and you genuinely can offer a solution and it may not even be 
your solution. Mm. Um, it's just a genuine solution to the problems that they're facing in business because we all face problems in business and as freelancers and all of those sorts of things. So the more you can help, the more likely they are to, to I guess, sort of become a part of your network. And- yeah, and there's a huge part of that, which is confidence too, right? If you're confident in your own abilities, you know what you can do for clients like, and you, and you are confident that you can do a good job, you believe in your own services, um, I think that it kind of comes across in the way you talk to them as well. 100%, 100%. I think standing behind what you do and, and, and knowing that is, is very, very important to networking. Mm, absolutely. Cool. So, so in short, then it was mostly like networking events. It was where you built that initial Yeah, networking base. events, family and friends. Um, yeah. I, I guess sort of always making sure that you're going to people's birthdays and <laughs> going to those events and, and really putting yourself out there and, yeah. And, and so, so when I lo- when I was losing jobs to like the CEO's um, dogs, owners, best friends, son, that was you probably. I was that guy. Yeah. I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, that man. guy. Yeah. I used to call it the web design circle of life. Um, you know, sometimes you hear these like new uh, developers come like it'll literally be like the CEO's cousin or something. Yep. Um, yep. You know, they just started a web design business and you lose the work to them. Um, you know, because it's they come in at about a quarter of what you charge, um, and the circle of life was that a lot of the times the work that I got was from botched jobs from exactly that situation. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, we were, I think we were lucky because we didn't botch the jobs. <laughs> oh yeah, no. But, but see, um, in this case, I, like I'm just taking the piss, right? No, no, you, no, you, for sure. But like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, that used to. I mean, that still uh, would be happening at Studio Culture. But mm. you're so right. Like, it's, it's. Everyone knows someone who's getting into this space, right? Yeah, that's so. the difference there. It's like when they're brand new and they don't know what they're doing, but they said they can do the website for $300 or something. Because yeah. <laughs> they know have, how it's going to turn out. Yeah, absolutely. So so let's go Let's go back to where we were before. You start, you've got your first staff member, you're three months in. What happened next? Like one to, one to 12 staff members is a pretty yeah, massive. Yeah, so uh, essentially we moved to... Um, so uh, the Queensland University of Technology has like an incubator hub area. Oh, cool. that I we went to that uni. To. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. So just um, at, at Kelvin Grove. So okay. we moved into that space, um, networked quite heavily with everyone in there. We, I, we, Phil and myself were never afraid to ask questions, right? And, and we very quickly attracted a really good bunch of like mentors and, and strong people around us. And we were big believers in paying for the skills that we didn't possess. Um, I I hear a lot of people talk about trying to become skilled at things that they are not necessarily good at. Whereas I think we really just doubled down on our strengths. Which is great. That's like, yeah, you don't want to do too many things if you're not in a position, like if you don't have enough staff to be experts in all those things yet. Yeah. 100%. So it was just really crucial to, to have those people involved. So we had like a really good advisor um, he, who used to um, uh, be a director at PwC, um, a gentleman named Matt Dunstan, who, who chairs a lot of businesses and that sort of thing now. So mm-hmm. we got him uh, on board early as, as a, a guess, sort of like a chairman and advisor person within the business, um, which also opened up his networks, but also allowed us to really keep a, a good firm eye on our P&L and and focus on the on the goals that we wanted for the business. And to be honest, we just got in and really just grinded it out. And that nice. first 
that first year just, well, the first, I guess, three years really just absolutely flew by. Um, and we were sort of, yeah, just adding staff on as we saw that we needed certain skill sets. So, so you could almost say this is like a partnership type arrangement or almost like you've become like the trusted expert within a certain community. Is that kind of, am I reading that right? Yeah, I, I felt that we, I felt that we really built more of a, yeah, it was almost like a powerful, our own network mm. in a way, which was really cool because it, it just meant that, you know, we weren't necessarily having to do cold calls or, or mm-hmm. do, you know, run our own ad campaigns and all of those sorts of things. Like I know a lot of other agencies have to, we didn't really ever have to like bid or tender for work. We pretty much just built this, this trusted relationship with a lot of people. Yeah. And, and well, in the incubator, right? Oh, so, so, well, within oh. the incubator and, and I guess within Brisbane it, itself. Oh, too. right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking a lot of this work was coming through, through the incubator. No, so, so, I mean, we, we, we actually did quite a lot of work um, for QT and, and for that incubator and, right. um, which, which was a benefit of being there for sure. But mm-hmm. no, I meant more just kind of that's what allowed us to, to grow and scale quite quickly was building our own network that continually referred us in work. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good. Like a lot of people say referrals aren't sort of um, predictable, but when you have a decent network and you remind and you, you know, catching up with these people regularly, they remember you, there's like top of mind things going on there. The, it is fairly consistent, right? Like if there's an, if your network is big enough, the work will continue to come. Definitely. Sometimes it got to a point where it's like, we weren't like we were, we started to be able to become picky with work quite quickly, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think that that's a big thing when you're starting out is that you just take on everything and anything that you can. And often those, some of those projects, you know, they're not going to be profitable or you haven't priced them correctly. And they're all the things that you learn as you go, but it was kind of nice to be at a stage where, we're being a little bit picky about work. Yeah. And I have a feeling there's a big key here. Like you're talking about um, like not pricing things correctly. You don't have to answer this, but do you, would you mind sharing uh, like average kind of project value in those days, the early days? Yeah. So early days, I guess sort of like your standard, uh, I guess kind of a, a website project would run anywhere from sort of like that two to six K mark. Mm-hmm. Um, And then obviously as we grew and we have more, I guess, more of a portfolio, we had more of those people I mentioned like Matt who were advising us, we actually really started pricing projects correctly, Mm. which meant that we didn't get every project, but we got better clients. Yeah, absolutely. More about the quality as opposed to the price. Yeah. And I mean, even then, you know, like, you hear two to some people are going to hear two to six K and you know, they might be doing $2,000 websites and be like, Oh, you know, like how do I do that? But I mean, I think this is a common story among any agency that does well um, and quickly is, is prices like that, right? Like it's very hard to have a profitable agency when you're doing low price websites um, unless you were just churning them out, which a lot of people think they can. Um, like it's in the early days, especially a lot of people think they can just do cheap websites and churn through them. I've spoken to so many people that have this as their idea. We had that idea when we first started, but you learn so quickly that you just cannot 
sustain that because one project blows out and it destroys the profit of like that entire month. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think too, the, um, I think it's kind of like the, what we touched on earlier around the networking and standing behind your product and that confidence. I think because we knew how good the websites were. Yeah. It, it did, I wasn't hesitant in selling them for those yeah. prices and, and people weren't hesitant in paying for them at those prices. That's so. it. Well, and that's the thing. If, you, if you're delivering a value, if you're delivering a product that is going to make that company money, it makes sense to spend a decent amount of money on it. 100%. Cool. So let's fast forward then. I mean, it sounds like the growth of like, you know, adding different staff members, were you adding services or were you? Um... Yeah. So, so we kind of added services as we saw fit for client purpose. So mm-hmm. if we, if we saw that there was a continual, um, you know, requirement for, for example, like HubSpot and email marketing and those sorts of things, we saw that that need and that opportunity was there. So we kind mm-hmm. of added things as we went in that regard. Yeah. And see, what I love about this is this, there's no rocket science in this, right? Like it's pretty, like it's something that people can do, like create good services, like be confident in what they do, get imp- like make sure they're building good websites, networking, um, reaching out to their network, uh, you know, becoming an expert and just growing their agency, right? Like I love that there's just not, this is no rocket science. There's no secret squirrel trick. It's just you know, general good business. Yeah, man, 100%. Like, and I, and I think it's just the knowing that it's going to take time too. Like, it, I mean, it, it took us five and a half years to get to, to that point. So it was, it was that, as you said, it was just that consistently doing things correctly mm-hmm. and just grinding out that time and knowing that it's going to take time to really be able to pay yourself a fantastic wage and, and not have to focus as much on investing in the business and and those sorts of things. Yeah. So so why did you want out in the end? Um to be honest, I think the only reason I got out is because I had this opportunity with with Lighthouse A. Um I think it was kind of I felt it was the time and I used to get such a buzz and such an excitement when we first had Studio Culture of of really being at the cutting edge of technology and now with Lighthouse 8 and this amazing technology that they've spent so long developing and R&Ding and, and everything like that, it's kind of like, to me, it feels like back when I was f- selling social media marketing, mm-hmm. um, you know, seven years ago because yeah. it's like, it's such a cool experience and it's so exciting and, and being able to see the results that we're achieving for clients that, well, well, let's dig into that then. Like, what, what does Lighthouse 8 do? Yeah, so, okay, so essentially uh, there, there's two arms of, of, of Lighthouse 8. So essentially we have a very strong digital transformation team which um, uses uh, machine learning uh, technology that's been developed in-house since 2012 mm-hmm. um, to deliver uh, digital marketing uh, transformation for clients. So essentially... Uh, managing campaigns and that sort of thing that would be done, I guess, by a digital marketing agency. But this time it's utilizing the technology to do a lot of the uh, repetitive mundane tasks. So what kind of tasks would those be? So all of your keyword research, your automated bidding, um, your targeting strategies. Um, all so is this specific to PPC or is... 
Uh, so, so it works across PPC. It works across um, your your social advertising, display, remarketing. It, it essentially works across the whole paid uh, digital uh, campaign suite. Nice. Um, so across Facebook uh, as well as Google, um, across LinkedIn, uh, which is really cool. We don't necessarily do, I guess, sort of third-party affiliate stuff, like you know, on your news.com.au's and those sorts of things, but Anywhere that we do display on on Google's um, ad network, we, we mm. do that. But essentially, it's it's kind of like those tasks that we used to see in an agency. Um, the the well, sorry, I'll backtrack a little bit. The thing that I really like about Lighthouse Aid is that the Freddie, our CEO, is just a he's been in this digital marketing space. So essentially, he built up a whole bunch of agencies in Scandinavia. Sold them off to one of the huge, um, I guess, traditional advertising companies back in 2012. Pumped in a lot of his own resources as well as um, had some uh, funding and that sort of thing from the Norwegian Research Council to develop technology that made digital marketing accountable um, and that made digital marketing, I guess, essentially scalable and um, that took out the guesswork and opinion work. So I know from having Studio Culture how you're so dependent on salaries and hours and essentially you're exchanging um, hours and time um, for money, for, for a client, for client's money. But now it's like leveraging this technology that we know is going to give them a far better result because it's based upon data and not individual opinion. <laughs> we know that it's going to be a better result because it's doing like, it works 200,000 times quicker than a human can. It makes <laughs> like half a million changes to a can, to a, large-scale e-commerce campaign a week. Like, it's wow, insane what it does. And, and there's just not enough hours in the day for, um, for someone or, or for an ad expert or performance expert to compete against um, our technology, which we call Kate, as in K8. Yeah. So, so is this something that you make available to other agencies or is this an internal tool? No, so essentially, the, this is a tool that we utilize. So it's it's still a managed service. So our um, digital transformation team utilize the technology to get the best results for our clients with their campaigns. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is there something you think you'd ever make available? Um. Look, it's it's. I guess I'm not the CEO at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So um. I, I mean, I'm. My job is to really spearhead the the growth in APAC, which we're we're continuing to have. I think there is a, a large appeal from. I mean, I've I've had conversations with with large agencies who would like to partner with us on those yeah. sort of things. Whether we decide to go down that route, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah, I was just curious because it sounds like the kind of thing that could easily be turned into, well, not easily maybe, but like a, a platform or SaaS that would be quite yeah. attractive to agencies. Yeah, so I think at the moment it's really about um, introducing this technology and changing as many businesses as we can. Mm. Um, and then it may be something that's that's in the future, in the stars, but I, I wouldn't know if that's what... Um, our CEO is planning, to be honest. I, I yeah. just know that at the moment, we're really about growth and being able to help as many uh, new clients. Yeah, nice. So how do you think this is all going to go against um, like Google's own uh, algorithms and updates, right? Because oh, I know there's a lot of... Sorry? Sorry, it's funny you say that because that's, that's usually the most common question I get. Oh, yeah? Client meeting is like, 
you know, how do you compete with Google Bid Manager? Well, it's funny. I'm surprised that the clients even know that exists. I've just heard yeah, um, well, AdWords people, you know, that are actually talking about it, running experiments. And, you know, like I know that two years ago they could beat the bid manager every time. And then like as time goes on, it seems to get better and better. And in certain campaigns, it seems to do really well and others it doesn't. Definitely. So essentially when we've done head-to-head tests, um, and comparisons and those sorts of things with clients who have been using Bid Manager, we tend to, on average, outperform it by anywhere from eight to fifteen percent. Okay, that's pretty um, solid. Yeah. So it's it's and and the other side of things is that at the end of the day, we all know that Google wants to make more money for Google. They they yeah. There's always that conflict of interest with Bid Manager. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always that interest in it for them. So. I guess that's thing to to remember number one. But I think the second thing is is that we only take on one client per industry. So if we're working with you know um, a core hotel group, we're not going to go and work with like the Oaks group. Like we mm. we are acting for that client, and we can't have that. Um, I guess, competitiveness of the technology competing against the technology. So our Kate technology competing against our Kate technology for a similar industry is is not going to work. So my thoughts on that always are, well, that's what Google Bid Manager is. Like it's being used by mm. you know, so, many, uh, so many companies and industries competing against the same companies and industries. So it, it makes it very difficult to trust that the outcomes are the best when we know that Google's trying to make as much money as possible. For Absolutely. And you just said something there that I love and, and the fact that you take on one, um, you know, your client per industry, that is really cool in inducing like a scarcity in what you have. Like if you have something in demand that, and, you know, you say this is something I can help you with uh, to, you know, like a client meeting, um, but we only take on one client per industry, um, the, the scarcity that I feel that creates would be such an awesome sales tool. I mean, is it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and it's kind of one of those things where, um, you know, I'm at the moment, for example, I'm talking to several banks. I'm having early conversations with several banks. We're, we're probably at a process where we'll be delivering proposals I would say by the end of March. So I'd be looking to have these sort of closed by, you know, kind of April, but it's also, it's a tool in the fact that where you can say, look, like we want to help the best companies in, in the best industries. Mm. So you need to make a decision. Like I I can't, I can't accept uh, if, if I get two people that come back and say they want to do it, then, I guess we have to then make that choice as to who we would rather work with. Yeah. And so it, the scarcity factor does That's epic. Being able to choose, like, oh man, like so yeah. many, so many agencies could do with that. Yeah, it's 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 a nice feeling, and and it's it's nice too because I feel like, and and sorry to veer off topic a, a <laughs> tiny bit, but I, I think it's cool with with studio culture, like our largest, um, I guess our largest name client that we worked with was um, Alibaba, as in the, the Chinese. Yeah, that's company. insane. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, that wasn't a, a massive financial deal, but it gave us a lot of credibility and, and uh, attention in the market. Mm-hmm. Where And I was kind of like explaining it to my partner actually, and, and her and I were talking and I was saying like, 
I would have at Studio Culture, you know, one of those massive um, meetings probably every six months or a year. And it was like, those felt like game day. Whereas now with Lighthouse 8, it's like, I feel like I'm having three game days a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's unreal. It's really interesting. And, and I think that just goes to show how, uh, how powerful the, the technology that, that we've developed is. Yeah. So good. Well, Joe, um, if, if uh, people are interested in, in having a look at, I guess, anything about you, like your journey, if, I don't know if you've got any sort of stories about that published anywhere else or, or Lighthouse 8, like where can people go? Um, so de- definitely the Lighthouse 8 website if, if they want to learn more about the, the technology. Um, I guess best place to, to know more about me or, or to ask me questions or anything is, is LinkedIn. Um, and if you just search Joe Fox, it'll it'll come up there as um, MD for APAC for Lighthouse A. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I'm more than happy to always sort of, um, you know, share my share my journey and, and, and um, talk to people about this process because it is such an amazing industry that we're all in and and it's uh it's an awesome journey if you do it correctly and and you do it with the right people nice yes and i'll uh link up both lighthouse eight and your linkedin in the show notes and if you're listening to this it's lighthouse eight the number eight uh, dot com so yeah go and check that out joe this has been awesome. I love um, that you've been happy to share your journey of growing an agency. Just wanted to say thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing that. Thank you so much for having me, James. I've really enjoyed our chat. All right, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Spotify or wherever the hell you get this these days. There are so many bloody platforms, but uh, yeah, head over, please leave us a review, helps us get the word out uh, and I will see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.